This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week TV podcast. Joining me today, as always, Andrew Mercado. Welcome back, Andrew. Hi there, James. We're going to be talking, we're going to have a look at the Logie Awards today. It was almost a week ago, but it's still uh, pretty current to me. Anyway, there's lots of interesting things to talk about there. We'll talk about the winners, the losers, people who maybe were lucky, some of the unlucky ones. There's a bunch of TV topics we'll get to. Then we're going to get an update on the South West Roxy. First of all, though, let's talk about the 59th TV Week Logie Awards. Andrew, I thought it was a pretty good broadcast this year. It was a good broadcast. It's amazing, though, to think that even though they edited some of the categories to make the show run faster, it still didn't finish till 20 past 11 at night, though. Mm. Start at 7G. It's a long show. Four hours, 20 minutes. It's long. I love it. I'm there till the bitter end. But, you know, how many other people are really sitting up? You know, in previous years, it's finished at 20 past 12 after midnight. You know, no matter what they try to do, it just is a long show. Seemed to be less drag this year, though. It seemed yeah. a bit better paced, perhaps. Yes, I agree. I'm not sure why there were maybe not as many long things, apart from Kerry Ann's maybe 12 minutes speech. <laughs> <laughs> well, even Kerry Ann admits in this week's issue of TV Week that she went over to John afterwards and said, How was I? And he said, You could have you could have shortened it by a few minutes. So even she knows that she spoke a little bit too long there. Um, look, I think one of the th- I think one suggestion I would make is this this compulsion to feature international acts that you've got to watch. You know, James Blunt and whoever that other guy was, Andy Grammer. Never heard of him before. I'd heard the song when he sang the song. I said, I can't know this song. But like, I mean, really, they're completely overshadowed on the night by Casey Donovan and you know Jessica, Jessica Malboy. Yeah. So why do we have to have these international performances? I don't quite get it. It doesn't fit in there, except maybe it brings a few extra eyeballs and they're still so paranoid about this show that they think that Australians won't watch it. It's the Logies. People are going to watch it. Quite frankly, I'd be quite happy for Australian singers to be advertised as bringing it. And we don't need these international singers now. We've gotten over bringing the international actors. We stopped doing that, haven't we? We run It's an Australian awards show now with no more Matt LeBlanc from Friends coming over going, Australian TV rocks. But we still hold on to this, but we've got to have some international singers. We actually don't. You know, our two Indigenous girls blew the other guys off the stage. So, yeah, let's see if that makes the show a bit shorter, maybe. Yeah, I guess um, interesting, though, that's happened mainly because there's no one watching international TV shows anymore, I guess, yeah. in any significant well, numbers. Well, that is actually true, isn't so it? So there's certainly not a draw cut. But I didn't know who Andy Grammer was. No. Seriously, well, again, they were going, well, again, I knew the song. International but... pop star Andy Grammer, I'm like, never heard of him, ever. Mm. I know I'm getting old now and I'm not, I'm not up to date with my pop music, but seriously, you know, I don't know that, I don't know that he's a draw card to make you watch the Logies. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think you're right. Um, and I think the music companies, though, certainly um, sort of uh, lobby to get some of their artists on because they, they still think it's a good showcase. It's a high-rating show. And there's not a lot of showcases left on TV no, to, to put touring true. music stars on apart from your, your breakfast shows and, yeah. and the project, I guess. Um, yeah. So they, they try and make the most of it. Um, so look, mentioned Carrie Ann. That was one of the highlights of the night, I guess, in a well-deserved award. It's amazing to think this was her first Logie. Amazing. After all these years. Huh? Amazing. And, and she... Well, even when they used, didn't they used to have specific daytime Logie awards back in the day? Because they used to have so many other categories. They used to have separate categories for Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne. They used to have separate state stuff. categories. Yeah. Remember the most yep. popular personality yep. in a state? Um, 
Um, one thing that Carrie Ann didn't mention in her speech, and so I'll say it here for her. The reason that she's in Hall of Fame is because she's done more live hours of television. She, she's, she's the woman that has done the most live hours of TV in the history of Australian television. And that's hard. You know, live TV is hard. And somebody who shall remain nameless, <laughs> who does a job very similar to hers now recently said, oh, I don't read the scripts beforehand. I like everything to be, you know, fresh. And, and I just thought, wow. Oh, you know, yeah, you're in dangerous territory there. I, I don't think that you can beat the old schoolness of Carrie Ann, who would not only read the script in advance while she's having her makeup done, but then would be in the green room in a bathrobe and her hair in rollers, introducing herself to the guests and then using the commercial break to be saying to you, okay, what are we talking about here now? And so give me a feel, how's this going to go? And getting it all very clear in her head. This whole thing now of where people say, oh, I just want to make it fresh and see what comes up on the auto queue. They're using that time in the commercial breaks to check their social media feeds. <laughs> and television would be a much smarter place if more hosts like Carrie Ann were doing some research and trying to make those segments as fantastic as they possibly can be instead of looking for spontaneity. Mm -hmm. yep. Well said. Um, gold Logie winner and Probably the biggest winner on the night, I guess, was uh, Samuel Johnson and his, his program, Molly. So, interesting. Not a single word of criticism about Samuel Johnson winning that gold Logie. And yet the fact is that he won it, not only for his amazing performance as Molly Meldrum, but for the fact that he is doing some amazing charity work. Now, under any other circumstance, there would be critics howling about this, saying this is so ridiculous, the most popular person on Australian TV was voted for his charity work. But of course nobody can say anything because his sister's dying. Let's compare that to last year when Waleed Ali won the gold Logie and critics were calling for the Logies to be scrapped. Yeah. Not one single word about Samuel Johnson. And I'll say, I've said this before and I'll say it again, whoever the readers of TV Week vote as the most popular person on TV, I'm okay with. If they want to say, we think Samuel Johnson was great in Molly and we think he's a great guy because he's doing this amazing charity work, that's fine by me. He was the most popular person on TV, but I find it very interesting that not a single word about it and yet if it had been anybody else in any other situation, the critics would be howling, going, look at that, how ridiculous. That person didn't win for his TV work, he won for something else. But there's been nothing. I know, it's, it's odd, isn't it? Yeah, and you, you, you're very right there. And um, was what, like four hours he was on TV for the whole year. I yeah. don't think he really had anything else on. And if you recall at the time too, he said he was resigning from acting and didn't want to be a part of it. And some of his interviews around the time that Molly was going to air were, were kind of problematic. He was a bit all over the shop. So, you know, it's it's it's, it's an extraordinary win, but I'm not begrudging him for it. But, yeah, in, in any other year, for any other reason, uh, people would be screaming about it. Yeah, um, Samuel and, and uh, the show picked up uh, three three Logies. Um, 
three of seven's four. They, they only won up one yeah. other one, which I think was some uh, their Olympic Games coverage for the uh, Rio Olympics. And so amazing to think that Molly, the Australian biopic, had such huge ratings and a year later is now walking away with all these awards. And yet since it's gone to air, we've seen the complete collapse, haven't we, of every Australian biopic that's followed it hasn't even come close to matching its success. It's just things yeah. in television are cyclical, James. What can I say? It's certainly trended downward, hasn't it? You yeah. Know? But it makes me think, you look back at that though and go, well, if you get it right... Yes, that's right. ...you get a good audience. Yeah. I mean, and I think some of the others did okay, but... I mean, I think the the uh, bottom is reached with Bond. Yeah. Which you might talk about later, I don't know, but actually I didn't mind after, yeah. I, after I sat down and watched it. I, I got sort of got into it and I thought, I watched the first five minutes and thought, oh, this is going to be awful. <laughs> yeah. But then it sort of grew on me and yeah. um, I quite enjoyed it. But um, but um, uh, Michael Gadinsky was with Samuel Johnson most of that night. He was sort of chaperoning him and it was almost as much as a win for Michael Gadinsky, who's really wanted to, you know, make a mark on on TV because he's, he's, you know, he's, if you ever see him, he's always bouncing around full of ideas and he's got lots of good TV ideas, I think, and I just wonder why hasn't sort of Seven or someone else funded something else because when you look at the Australian music scene, no-one's got a better connection than Michael Gadinsky and people seem to love these sort of bios of classic, iconic music personalities, um, which we don't seem to do many of. So I would really like to see him, you know, give it some rope, if you like, and um, well, there's have another still a, crack. There's still a few stories out there to be told, aren't there? Oh, if you lots, think about I the think. history of Australian music, lots there's of. still some really mm. great ones that could be told. And I mean, they're starting, they've just, the ABC's just sent out a press release today about the Easy Beats, haven't they? Yep. They're starting that one. Um, there's still some really amazing Australian music stories to, to be told. Yeah. 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 Hello, Kylie. Yes, Samantha of Jade is Kylie. <laughs> I mean, ACDC is another big ACDC. one too. But everyone always says, "Oh, we'd love to do it, but we can't get the music rights." Yeah. yeah. I still reckon there's a story you could tell without the actual music. You know, you could tell about the early days or the brothers' yeah. story. You know, yeah. before maybe massive stardom. That's right. Came up. So I think there's lots of ways around that. Um, let's look at some of the other winners. Are uh, Jessica Murray yeah. uh, for Best Actress? Um, no surprise there, but it was a pretty, it was a pretty good um, cast. I mean, she beat Asha Keddie, Deborah Mailman, uh, Marta Dusseldorp, yeah. Jessica Malboy would have probably been a surprise maybe if she'd won, but some really quality there amongst those. It was Jessica Marai's year because she starred in two TV series, not one. She's Love Child and The Wrong Girl. Um, and, you know, I also thought she was the best dressed on the night too. I thought she looked absolutely stunning in that outfit that she wore and uh, she's she's really doing some great work at the moment and she's so watchable you know even if you know an episode of one of those shows might be a bit dull she's never not great in anything mm. that she does. Mm. There's a few people sort of nominated for multiple work this year I just noticed. I thought it seemed a bit more often than than, than is normally the case. Our best actor, Samuel Johnson again. Um, best presenter, Waleed Ali. So the project still walked away yeah. with a couple of awards even though they didn't win gold. And we're talking about the best categories that are voted for by the readers of Absolutely, TV Week yep. and this yep. is who they voted for and yes. yes. Yeah. They like Jessica Marai they like Waleed Ali. Yeah, the other project win was for Best 
best news panel or current affairs program. Yeah. Uh, best drama, afraid uh, Dr. Doctor got overlooked, uh, yes. Andrew, and the, uh, again, that was uh, Molly walked away with that one. But it was interesting when you compare the, um, the most outstanding with the best, Molly got defeated in the categories it was nominated for. Yeah. And um, other things like the um, Foxtel um, the Kettering, like Kettering incident, incident yeah. beat it in, um, in most outstanding. And I think Samuel also got knocked off in uh, Best Actor, didn't he? Um, yeah, Henry Nixon won that. Yes. Well, Samuel was nominated. But, yeah, um, and that was a real surprise. I don't think anyone would have had money on that. No, no. Henry Nixon's been around for years and years, and he was really good in the Kettering incident. But, yeah, that well, I, the, I, the look on his face said it all. I don't think <laughs> he could believe it. And, yeah, that really came out of left field. Yeah, a couple of the other best uh, category winners. Um, the Block, I think, won its fifth uh, Logie All Up for Best Reality Program. Uh, NRL Footy Show won for nine. Look, it's a repeat offender there. It looks, yeah. It's just got a lock on this category. I'm not sure why. The Living Room, again, it's uh, often wins for ten. That's won quite a few Logies now over the years. And Gogglebox was a winner for both Foxtel and ten in Best Factual Program. Yeah, which upsets a lot of people, you know, because, and it would, wouldn't you? If you work on a doing, you know, all that painstaking research for who do you think you are or all those other yeah. shows in the factual category. Even that Top Sanson's body hack. Yeah. You've got to put into There's that. so much work and then they sit there and on Logie Night they get beaten by Gogglebox. But, you know, Gogglebox is just such a phenomenon and it's just so entertaining and it's probably in the wrong category. It should probably be more in light entertainment than factual because there's not a lot of... You know, yes, it is factual to film people on their lounge rooms, but it's yeah. a great show. But, yeah, it, it is um, unfortunate that, that some of those really well-made shows miss out. Yeah, I guess the production's probably just as intense, though, even though the location doesn't change week yeah. to week, but just turning... They've got to turn that stuff around reasonably quickly. They do. That's and, true. Um, I never thought of that. And they must must be a lot of editing because yeah. those cameras would just roll all the way through that show. Yeah. And then they probably, because it's all on tape, they'd rewind, play some more bits to try and encourage further comments, then decide yeah. what and it just must be a... Uh, and those massive. moments in Gogglebox, which when you see... Every single group, no matter whether they're families or single guys or the Greek girls, whatever, they all end up saying the same thing about the show. God, I love that. You know, where you know, they all, none of them fall for the bullshit. Mm. All of them say the exact same thing. Mm. It's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, it is. it's very well done. Uh, most outstanding actress and a tour. For, sorry, we're into the, we'll get into the, um, yeah, most outstandings now. So, so as voted for by peers in the industry. Correct, yeah. So, Mercer Stan, actress Anna Torv, yeah. uh, actor Henry Nixon, as we uh, mentioned. Yeah, Anna Torv for Secret City. Correct, yep. And um, and Henry Nixon for Kettering. Uh, those Foxtel dramas uh, did pretty well, too. Yeah. The um, a Place to Call Home won the most outstanding drama yeah, series. Yeah, amazing. Uh, knocked off Clever Man, Rake, uh, The Code, yeah. and uh, Wentworth, another yeah. Foxtel entry there. So, they were, all the nominees were either from... Uh, Foxtel or the ABC. How happy would they have been at a place to call home, you know, to think that, you know, two years ago they were cancelled <laughs> and then here they are two years later being voted by their industry as the most outstanding drama on Australian TV. What a turnaround. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's a really good... Because um, Foxtel must have been questioning maybe some of their drama spend in recent times when, you know, there's a, been, you know, business analysts and accountants in there <laughs> just going through the books and you, the return on the... The return on um, investment, if you just look at the audience numbers, might be hard to justify. Because yeah. some of those dramas aren't getting massive numbers. But you They're know, doing okay. And I'm certainly a place to call home. is yeah. doing well. But some of those others are a little bit more niche. But when you get these industry accolades, I think it, it helps make it um, a bit justifies those decisions a bit more. And also international sales. Yeah. A place to call home is screening all around the world, as is Wentworth. Mm. You know, it's, they've very cleverly uh, made products that do sell around the world now when in an era when Australian drama is not so important. Sure. Around um, the world. Most outstanding supporting actor, another win for Secret City, uh, Damon Harriman. Yes. Uh, won there. So two wins for um, Secret City, which is uh, which is pretty good. I think uh, Matt Nable was, I reckon, pretty yeah. unlucky there. He I, was really unlucky. I thought he would have had a lock on that to... Um, his, his role in to, Barracuda was amazing. Yeah, look, absolutely, absolutely. I think uh, they were probably the two... No, you know, I just think Matt Nable was so far ahead of, of all the others, really, just yeah. about in that role. Again, I was really disappointed in the numbers it did. It just didn't rate that well for the no. ABC, and it was no. a, um, it just should have done a lot better. Most outstanding supporting actress, Deborah Lawrence, for her yeah. role in uh, Please Like Me, surprised me a little bit, but um, yeah, it could have could have gone anywhere. The other people nominated Deborah Mailman um, for her role in uh, Wolf Creek, uh, Jenny Baird for A Place to Call Home, uh, Nicole De Silva for her role as Frankie Doyle in Wentworth, yeah. and um, Victoria, now I can't pronounce it, Harrell Badu, maybe, from Barracuda. Yeah. Um, well, look, I mean, the standouts in that category are Nick Calder Silver in Wentworth and um, Jenny Baird in A Place to Call Home was so good. You know, I possibly would have voted for Jenny Baird right. if I'd been asked to yes. vote in that category. Yes. But I know Deborah Lawrence did, you know, her story in this last season of Please Like Me was devastating. Um, and clearly that struck a nerve with some voters. Yeah, and look, won two awards, also won Most Outstanding it Comedy did, Program. finally. Yeah. Finally, yeah, yeah after so. how many years? That it's last season there, they finally cracked it. Yeah, and producer Todd Abbott gave one of the most, I thought, moving speeches of the yes, night. He just he did. was clearly very pleased, wasn't he? He used yeah. to work for us here in uh, on a couple of magazines we used to do in well, the Well, you know, I, I think probably the first time that Please Like Me got uh, nominated for in this character, it lost to Houses by Paulie Fenn. And, you know, I think if you'd probably look at that and go, oh, my God, why are we doing this? But, yeah, you know, stick at it and you shall be rewarded. Yeah, absolutely. Um, have You Been Paying Attention uh, won a couple of awards too. Uh, it was nominated in the Most Outstanding Entertainment Program. And I think it also won in... It did. Won it in won the best, best and in the... outstanding. Yeah, yeah. As so, it should. Yeah, absolutely. It's the, this little gem of a TV show that, you know, just quietly chugs along there. Amazing chemistry between those comedians there. The funniest panel show in Australia on air at the moment for me. Yeah. By long stretch. Yeah, I mean, it's really key to Network 10's schedule these days. 
those yeah. two. And like Gogglebox, there's a real argument. It should be on every week of the year. I yes. Because they do um, – they what's 20 eps of Gogglebox. I think they're doing about 28 to 30 of um, have you been paying attention this year. We've been missing it so far. Yeah. But it's back, I think, from May 9. Yeah. So I'd be very – Yeah, we'll be back next Very Monday. welcome return. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, Little Lunch was a winner for ABC uh, Me. Yep. Um, the first series from the producers there, Robin and... Robin, Hope Butler. and Wayne Butler. Uh, Wayne Butler. Who and make Robin Upper Middle Bogan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, they were, they got up and said, yeah, look, our first uh, our first crack at uh, Kids TV. Good it's, on them. It's great to win an award. Um what else won in the um, most outstanding? Sky News won their first um, Logie ever. They've been nominated a few times over the years, but for their election coverage 2016. Yeah. And look, and the quality's good there, but nothing, no one can match them on the quantity because they're just election, you know, almost 24-7. They're just yeah. war-to-war election yeah. during the campaign. So they sure it, are. it would be hard to uh, to overlook that uh, what they did there. And um, most outstanding factual or documentary program, Conviction, which actually gets a repeat screening, mm. I think, the day we're recording this uh, podcast. I think so, yeah. I just um, saw on, the ad for it on, on TV. On the Tuesday, yeah. but if you've, uh, you'll probably come to it after it's been on, but you'll be able to catch it on uh, iView there if yeah. you missed that uh, first time around. So, yeah, look, Logies, it's going to be the 60th uh, wow. next year. One of the things I liked this year was the, and they don't do it enough, but was tributes to the past. Lorraine Desmond coming out with Sam Pang. Yeah. It struck me when I was watching this, why don't they do more of this? They should be doing more of that. I, I would have preferred a slightly better script written for Lorraine Desmond. I think that, you know, a script that portrayed her as a sort of a, almost a dizzy blonde who didn't quite understand what was happening in TV anymore mm. when she's the first woman to ever win a gold Logie in 1962. I mean, I would have... I I just think maybe a little bit more respect should have been paid to her. Um, she looked great, but I loved the Danny Minogue and the Tina Arena coming out and harking back to the young talent time. Yes, there's absolutely no reason why, and particularly next year with a 60-year anniversary, there's going to have to be a little bit of uh, backward gazing at some of the great things that have gone yeah, on and in how, the past. how good was Danny Minogue? I think she surprised a lot of people. She was sort of hosted a, because she was an ambassador, I think, she was TV Week's Logie's ambassador this year. So, and she fronted a function pre-Logie's on the Saturday night for Film Victoria have for the production community. And she got up and spoke. She was just brilliant. Wow. I think people were just really blown away in the room who weren't used to seeing sort of Danny Minogue live and almost unscripted, if yeah. you like, just speaking off the cuff. That's fantastic. And I thought, well, she should be, you know, because I think she's back here living now, isn't she? Yeah, she's yeah sort she of says she's living in Melbourne. Back as an Aussie now these yeah. days. So, well, you know, there's um, for producers out there looking for a host for something, you know, or a, or a front person. Yeah, she'd be really great, and even hosting the Logies, I think she could probably do a pretty good job there. As we we still don't have a dedicated host. No, we know? don't. So she'd be good. Now I know you're a, you're a big fan of Hughes's work, yeah. and I think he delivered again this year. He sure he? did. I mean, normally Hughes comes on at ten thirty or something, and is pretty raunchy, and now he comes on at seven o'clock, and he hasn't, you know, ten.
tempered himself. He yep. still comes out. He goes real hard. Yeah. Um, there's a softer edge to every. There he, he, is. He'd, he'd, you know, he'd need a little bit, then he'd pull back. Yeah, he does. Soften it a bit. So that was the way that all worked well, I think. But it's still pretty, you know, he, you know, he takes no oh, prisoners. He yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he didn't he skim over any, any one of a free pass, does he? <laughs> You know, the way he worked, I guess, Tim Warner into yeah. the monologue was, was very clever, wasn't Brilliant. it? Brilliant. You know? The timing of that to say, you know, to refer to Jessica Mariah and then refer and say Seven's the wrong girl and then pretend he'd made a mistake, he didn't know what <laughs> network the show aired on, which led him into that joke. I mean, that was brilliant. Mm. Brilliant. And the little uh, Peter Haller and Cat Stewart oh. um, comedy skit worked well too, didn't it? Look, you've got to remember that Cat Stewart is a comedian as well as a fantastic actress and fashionista. She looked amazing in that dress but you, you remember her on Sean McAuliffe and she's very good at comedy and the timing and that send up they did of both of them wearing the same colour I mean it was hilarious the beats were hit that, that were hilarious yeah it was Peter, good. oh my god I was roaring with laughter <laughs> on my couch it was so good and I guess Cat Stewart it's almost a role she pulls off both roles in the role in Offspring doesn't it because some of that's quite slapstick it is yeah you know, as well as quite and there's some other dramatic you know poignant scenes yeah but there's that real crossover yeah uh, that she she plays on that program um Anything else finally about the Logies? We don't know where it's going to be next year, but it's going to be in Melbourne again because they've had a five-year deal has just expired with our Film Victoria down there, I yep. think, which funded a lot of the uh, costs yep. of uh, mounting it in Sydney. I think it would certainly be cheaper for TV Week if they did have it in Sydney. Yeah. Their production costs might come down, but it, but it all comes down to if they can attract a, a sponsor or someone to partner with to help allay some of those costs. Yeah. Look, I think they also really did the in memoriam thing well this oh, year they, yeah. it was so well Casey Donovan the performance was so great but they also showed all those people who had passed away full screenshots of their heads no more you know because one year there where you know the camera pulled back for a long shot and you didn't see some of those faces it was like inexcusable you know you can't mess that up and you know that they, they did miss a couple of people I think but look it's 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 probably it's been the best one I've seen in a long time that yeah. segment of the show it's yeah. really important. Absolutely. Been a big changing of the guard in television this last week, Andrew. Some of the big seasons have finished. The new ones are starting over, particularly our My Kitchen Rules, which really dominates that first quarter, yep. almost that first third of the uh, ratings year. Sure does. Came to an end this week. Look, the numbers were down significantly on last year, but um, it was partly because of the seven strategy for um, how they programmed it on Sunday night. They made people sit through a, an hour and 15 minutes roughly the first episode of House Rules before they got to the My Kitchen Rules um, final. Look, I didn't mind it too much. I found that little house rules interesting, but if you certainly weren't invested in that, you would have gone elsewhere, and that's why um, 60 Minutes had nearly its best numbers. Um, no, sorry, The Voice. The Voice did yeah. well, and yeah. then 60 Minutes did reasonably well as well. So yeah. there was a big audience who just thought, nah, I don't want to do that. And it, amazingly, it wasn't the biggest audience um, My Kitchen Rules had this season watching that final episode. Yeah. So it yeah. did cost them viewers. Yeah, it did. And, and I understand their strategy. It's they're in a it's a death to death battle again at seven thirty with MasterChef entering the fray the night afterwards. I get why they do it, but oh. 
shit pisses people off. <laughs> I mean, you know, the, the feedback the next day on talk radio from some parents saying, you know, my kids have watched my kitchen rules and it always finishes at nine o'clock and suddenly you're asking us to, they, to let them stay up till 10.30pm on a school night to see who won. You know, that doesn't go down well, you know. People aren't stupid. People know that they're being conned, that they're being, you know, tricked into watching a new show and that they're trying to be sucked into it. And, and I think that's why people didn't come back to House Rules Night 2. They go, OK, well, I'll watch it on Saturday night because I'm waiting for my kitchen rules, but I'm not falling for this. Tomorrow night I'm watching MasterChef or I'm watching The Voice. Yeah, look, as we record this, the you know House Rules launched very well with about a million. It did 700,000 on debut last year. Yeah. The second night audience has sort of plunged around 600, just over yeah. 600,000. Yeah. So that's really going to give Seven some work now to sort of rebuild it. I think it will recover. I think Some of those does. whole house reveals yeah. are much sought after and they will do well, but yeah. those early in the week uh, episodes might have some trouble getting some um, getting some momentum back. But the voice is really hot again at the moment, isn't it? it seems the to be, doesn't it? Really, yeah. Is it yeah. the judging panel? Is it people excited? Well, I think that's back. Yeah, seals back. There's a bit of interest in how you know what's yeah. Boy George going to be like. Yeah. What's Kelly Rowland going to be like? I see nine have slapped a Boy George interview with Piers Morgan into the schedule on Sunday night. So okay. they they're really milking it. Have you noticed their music specials? They're like really, you know, they've got concerts and tributes to the BGs and the Madonna concert and Elton John and I mean they're playing silly buggers with the schedule. Move, yeah. put, well, you've got to scheduling, rescheduling, moving things around. But they they, they, they they obviously feel that the way to go is music at the moment. Yeah, I've got that's probably something to do with uh, price as well. <laughs> Those uh, music specials must be quite cost effective. I mean, what we had Elton John last night from 2013. Was that from 2013? Yeah, yeah. You're was, kidding. Um, Why wouldn't they have screened? That's the that was the third show they programmed into that slot. First of all, it was going to be that BG's 40 year anniversary of Saturday Night Fever. Mm. Then they scheduled Madonna's Rebel Heart <laughs> tour, and then they pulled it out and put in what a 2013 concert from Elton John. Mm. Did about four fifty odd thousand, you know. Very odd. Well, it wasn't great figures. I think it probably did better than the Madonna might have done, though. I yeah, just... well, I noticed that Madonna has been bumped an hour later back next Monday. It's 10pm, okay. not 9pm. Clearly someone did some then when she's not going to rate. Yeah, no. I'd, I'd think they'd have a hard time um, pulling a bit audience for that. Uh, MasterChef was back, launched with um, just over a million viewers, yep. which they'd be happy with. They'd it's, be happy. It's certainly had bigger launches in the past, but these days a million and you're doing yep. high fives, I think, aren't That's you? That's right. So, um, pretty amazing uh, cooks they showcased last night too. They started the program with a 19-year-old um, chef and she really wowed the judges with, I think she called it her golden ball. She was just amazing and George cracked it open and there was another whole sort of dessert inside it and all the chefs, all the judges were just stunned. Then the episode ended with an 18-year-old yeah. so who equally left them almost speechless with uh, what he prepared. So there's some real talent this year. At the other end of the spectrum there's some older people too yep. who seem to be sort of you know, and now we have finally have some real chefs, don't we? Yeah, I mean, MKR, God love it, but <laughs> they're not chefs, really, are they? They're cast no. for their they're cast to fill a, a sort of a drama 
quota. Yeah, yeah, it's all made, it is really a, um, a different beast, yeah. isn't it? I mean, the winners on MKR, I think Tyson and I can't remember who that Amy. one. Uh, Amy and Tyson, was yeah. it? Yep. I mean, they were pretty good and they recorded, I think, during this season, the highest score ever yeah. on the show. And they got, I think, three tens and three nines, a total of 57 out of 60 in the final. So they did a good job. But um, but when you look at that cooking, on, even on that first episode of, of MasterChef, it's a whole it, new league. It doesn't isn't compare, it? yeah. No. So when it's, uh, I'm sure it's short tens, um, really um, breathing a sigh of relief. I think that first night of MasterChef equaled their best ever Monday share this year. I think the other one was the final of um, I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here. Yeah. Got them up above 15. And the, the great irony that, you know, that MasterChef screened at 7.32, good ratings, and poor old uh, The Biggest Loser transformed, was giving away $100,000 at 11 a.m. during the day. How embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, no, and the uh, the Melbourne audience really got behind MasterChef too. It actually outrated the voice wow. in Melbourne, so that'll be, that's uh, very good news for 10. But yeah. as we said, in those three shows, though, it's really House Rules is up against it now. Yeah. So it'd be uh, fascinating to see how they go over the uh, next couple of weeks. Um, and you mentioned the uh, the there's still some scheduling, you know, going lots of TBAs. I mean, that's not the only. I think in TV Week you said there's to be advised um, notices right across the week. It goes on all the time, <laughs> week after week after week. Uh, the 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 guide for TV Week will say Studio Ten eight thirty eleven a.m. TBA, <laughs> and you look at it and go, well, they're going to repeat. I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. There, or they're going to repeat MasterChef. They're still doing. It. Mm. You open up the guide and it says for seven Sunday, one thirty p.m. to four p.m. or five p.m. TBA. You go stop playing this stupid game. We know you're going to repeat house rules. There, it's obvious you're going to use that TBA slot to repeat one of your reality franchises. Why don't you just say so? Do you honestly think by not printing it in the TV guides that? Uh, somehow it'll be a surprise. I mean, you know, we all know now that you could watch The Voice during the week or you could watch Nine's triple encore of it on a Saturday, Saturday night, night and watch all three episodes back to back. Yeah, I mean, seriously, they just <laughs> think that people aren't on to them. Mm. Now, you've uh, marked an anniversary for Alan. Yeah, last yeah. Week. What's happened? Well, yesterday on her show, she did an episode where she talked about it's been 20 years since that, the puppy episode where she came out, both in real life on the cover of Time and her character on the sitcom. I think she got Oprah Winfrey and uh, Laura Dern, who starred in that episode. It won um, lots of Emmy Awards. It was a huge success. The show didn't last for much longer after that, and she disappeared and reinvented herself as a daytime host. Uh, but yeah, it's it's interesting for me because it sort of reminds me that it's been 20 years since I've been talking about TV, because 20 years ago when I got my first job writing about TV for the Sydney Star Observer, which is a gay newspaper, and someone rang me up from Channel 7 and said, uh, I'll just give you the inside word here, Seven aren't going to screen that episode. It's been taken off air. And uh, so I start to ask some questions and got a door in my face every time. <laughs> so I was a new young writer wanting to make an impact, so I thought, oh no, let's uh, boycott Channel 7 for a month, shall we? So we did, through the newspaper we ran we, we boycotted them and uh 
They still didn't screen that episode. Did they, they get a bit of momentum elsewhere? Did the other people pick up the story? It did get picked up. It got picked up in a... When it was, I remember at the time it was in NW magazine and uh, I remember the Australian Financial Review wrote about it because uh, they were very quick to point out that when one, indeed, one of those executives from Channel 7 18 months later or two years later, when they were shown the door that afternoon... Ellen was rescheduled really? and the episodes eventually played on seven. Oh, wow. So what I, the information I had been given from the start that they denied all that, no, 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 we're just resting the show at the moment. It all turned out to be true. There was indeed someone at seven who didn't want that sitcom with its gay episode and future storylines airing. And while that person was in charge, the show was taken off the schedule. And when they were shown the door, that's how quickly... And that's what the Australian Financial Review wrote. They said that person had barely left the building and the programmers had put Ellen back into their schedule. I mean, that was back before, you know, you had repeats on Fox 8 and all that stuff. They had that show and they held on to it and they weren't going to screen those episodes. But eventually they did. Sure. But it took the removal of some to do it. Yeah. Uh, speaking of classic sitcoms, Roseanne yeah. is another classic. Now, what's oh going my on? Oh, God. We've got so many now. So we've got Twin Peaks coming soon on Stan. They're filming new episodes of Will and this Grace. Month, uh, this month. This month, yep. Which I'm hugely excited about. They're filming new episodes of Will and Grace. Prison Break has started again on Fox in the States and 10 are going to screen it. We've seen the X-Files come back and now talk that Roseanne will come back. Roseanne Barr tweeted yesterday, uh, Yes, I'd love the show to come back, but I'll tell you when it's going to happen. In other words, don't listen to all the gossip. Um, she's got to write herself out of a very difficult situation there because she went a bit wacky in the last season of her show and did this kind of, you know, reverse version of the Be did the Beverly Hillbillies basically mm. got the Connors to win all this money, and they did this bizarre season where they're living in luxury. No more John Goodman, and then for the last episode, Roseanne revealed that the whole last season had been a dream and that Dan Connor had actually died of a heart attack and she was now moving forward as a single mother. Well, now, how are you going to... You, you can't... If you're going to bring back Roseanne, you've got to bring back John Goodman. So she's going to have to, you know, say that Roseanne was taking an acid trip in the basement that day and that that didn't happen either. But, yeah, if you're going to bring back Roseanne, John Goodman's still around and I'm sure he'd love to do it. You think he'd do it? Well, look, if we, if we think about the last episode of Will and Grace 2, last episode of Will and Grace was a flash forward 20 years or something and all four people in the show had stopped talking to each other and weren't friends anymore. Well, they're going to rewrite that final episode too and just pretend it didn't happen. Just pretend it didn't happen and bring back the Connors now. And But you could do you, you could do it without referencing what happened, couldn't you? Just bring it back to the classic mid-season, mid, mid yeah. whatever, how many years it was on, I don't know. Yeah. Just bring it back and just... Just bring it back when the show's at its peak and keep making more more episodes. Yeah, That's no one's going to question that. No. Oh, but look, you went, you know. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Does but that's really exciting. Roseanne was a really groundbreaking sitcom um, for its day and uh, still one of them. I remember Richard Glover saying to me recently that he and his partner, you know, and she created Offspring, Deborah Oswald, they had been re-watching uh, Roseanne as DVD box sets, okay. you know, because the writing for the show is so incredible, mm. you know, that they were appreciating it that all these years later it still really stands up. Yes, yeah. What are the chances are, Roseanne?
Roseanne would be on Netflix. They seem to get everything else these days. They seem to, don't they? Yeah. They love those um, recreation of those um Well, they brought back Full House and the Gilmore, Gilmore Girls, Girls, and yeah. it certainly gives them a lot of publicity. Oh, it does, you know. You know. If nothing else, they get amazing PR out of it, and I'm yeah. sure that they um, they rate reasonably well Yeah. And as far as uh, Netflix goes. Now, 13 Reasons Why, speaking of uh, creating a buzz for Netflix, yeah. it's just doing incredible business. Now, I watched the first episode. You said you've watched I've a I've watched couple? the first two, yeah. yeah. I, I quite Are like you going to stick with it? Well, yeah, I will, just because... I'm now I want to find out what right. Russ is about. But what I like, and it's been missed a little bit, and, and one of our colleagues here, Brian's watched the whole thing, is it's really quite an interesting sort of mystery, yep. a whodunit, if right. you like, that weaves its way through the show, which sort of has been just lost completely in the fuss about, oh, look, you know, the suicide that happens yeah. at the climax of the series. I'm not going to watch it anymore. I, I, I watched the first episode and just went, oh, God, teen angst. I'm really <laughs> not interested. It's funny because there's a British show that Channel 4 have done, a, they've just done a little three-part drama called Born to Kill about a teenage psychopath and that's really shocked a lot of people over there with, you know, I mean it's there in the title, what's going to happen, but then when the character actually did it they were quite outraged. I'd be more interested in seeing them doing it and seeing a British perspective. I'm just so sick of American high schools on TV, you know. <laughs> as soon as they walk you know, wearing their, they're all dressed up and walking around with their books, going to their lockers. I just start checking out and going, oh God, I've seen this a million times well, and, before. And, and this is a genre that seems to work well for Netflix because, of course, they got Riverdale, yeah, which just looks like it could be using the same sets and, yes. and the same backdrops and yeah. everything. You know, um, which which I strangely I didn't mind, but it is I get what you say about yeah. oh yeah, it's just so predictable, really, yeah. isn't it? But um, but there seems to be an audience there and it's probably quite clever of Netflix. They're reaching out to a generation that seem lost to free-to-air TV. Yes. You know, they're just not tuning in for no, this not. scheduled TV. Hey, you watch it when we want you to watch it. And they go, no, sorry, we're not going to do that. And um, Netflix is, you know, and they're building in a generation who will just stay with, you know, that 10 bucks a month subscription. Yeah, look, whatever. Yeah. And they'll just, that'll just stay there with the, through their lives, you know. They'll, they'll buying customers. Yeah, and that's certainly a much more successful way of getting kids to watch TV than what the free-to-airs and traditional TV networks are doing, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. They're going after the same audience, but it's not having the same result. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Um, I wanted to talk to you. Look, we'll get on to your um, sort of um, life-changing move, but Mm -hmm. one of the things that you've done, you've found yourself without Foxtel. Yeah. For the first time, the first time ever? First time ever, yeah. Well, I moved to a new country town. Um, What's life without Foxtel? Tell me. Well, for the first... (laughs) very different. Well, I I moved up there and I took the Foxtel box with me and then I went, hang on a second, I don't necessarily have to plug this in and reconnect. There are other options now. And when I looked into the options, it's a small country town, so there's no cable internet where I'm living. And so then it's like, okay, well, here I am. I'm going to have to get stuff through ADSL and maybe I don't need to get a Foxtel box. Maybe I can get my services. So, indeed, 
I did the sums and realised that Fetch TV would be a lot more economical. Mm. So it arrived and I plugged it in and I thought, oh, here we go, this will be the test. But you know what? It's really good. <laughs> it does all the things that I loved about Fox Hill. The thing I loved about Fox Hill the most was the IQ2, being able to series you can shows. Watch, and you watch all your TV through it, right? Yeah. I mean... When you analyse some of your Foxtel viewing, maybe a lot of the time you're not actually on a Foxtel channel, no. but you're just using it as your conduit. I'm using so. that as my storage device. Mm. Mm. And what I love about the Fetch Box is that it's the, it can record shows series link shows for me but it's also got the apps built in for Netflix and Stan so if there's nothing on free to air TV and I can pause live TV I can do all those things so you've still got Stan and Netflix I've got Stan at the moment I haven't got Netflix at the moment I've I've always got Stan um, and I've taken Foxtel Play okay because the one you know I wanted to watch Big Little Lies Mm -hmm. and I wanted to watch Feud on Showcase and I'll be wanting to watch Game of Thrones yes um, what I'd really like is for Foxtel Play to be on the fetch box because it makes life easy. They've, they've given in so to the So you have to do that on your iPad? I then and have then to get my computer to your TV and or? plug the computer into the TV and all that to watch Foxtel Play. It's annoying. No, I think they're about to rebadge Foxtel Play. They're going to call yeah. it. It's a Foxtel Now. Something they're going to call like it. that. So, but Foxtel Play, is that like an internet subscription? Yes, you... But it's not the... Does it give you catch-up? Well, put it this way. Is it on demand? I'm I, getting some of those Foxtel channels through my fetch box. Yes, I took okay. a package that gives me UK TV and BBC TV. Right. So I've got my drama sorted out, except I don't have the HBO stuff on Showcase. Right. So I've had to sign up to Foxtel Play um, to get that. And uh, But again, the, the moment I realise that there's nothing on Foxtel Play I want to watch, I'll stop it. Because what I've got on fetch is actually going to pretty much do me. Okay. I've got less time to watch TV now. I'm running a cinema. Yes. So I'm finding that the fetch box is actually but what I would really like is for Foxtel Play to be an option there with Netflix and Stan so everything's on the one box. Okay. Because Foxtel have put Netflix and Stan on their services haven't they? Yeah. 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 So tell me um, are you a tel- with a telco who's a partner with Fetch? Yes, I had to. I have to. Re- I have to get a phone line, rent a phone line. I'm with Dodo. Okay. And then I've gotten the, and the Fetch is costing me ten dollars a month, and then six dollars for my package of channels that I've got. Wow. So yeah, yeah, which is my British drama. So it's almost a bargain, isn't so it? So it's sixteen dollars, mm. and then I'm paying fifteen dollars for Foxtel Play. Yeah. So now I'm at $31. Mm. That's still cheaper than $66, which is what I was paying for Foxtel in the city. Yeah. It's less than half. Yes. Yeah. There was no way I was going to reconnect Foxtel, even though I've been a customer of them for probably close to 20 years, wow. more than 20 years. Did you try? You should ring up, though, and try that. Oh, look, I've moved. Can oh. I get a deal? Did you try that? Or? I didn't try get a deal. What I did tell them, though, I said, look, I'm moving. I've moved, and so you can disconnect it here, and I think I'm going with Fetch, um, but I'll let you know. And they said, oh, we'll book you in for a reconnect anyway. I went, <laughs> yeah, okay, but I'm just telling you I may not use it. And then, sure enough, I got this text message saying, your reconnect is this day and I rang them up and said, I don't want it anymore. And the girl on the phone said, but you said you want to reconnect. And I said, actually, I didn't. <laughs> I 
said that this was all up in the air and that mm. I had options and indeed I've taken those options. Mm. So then I had to talk her through the thing and I get, you get sent a code and you go to the post office and send all your Foxtel IQ gear back. Be, gear back, yeah. Okay. So I was very sad to see it go. I've loved my IQ too, but mm. I'm telling you, the fetch box is doing all that that yeah. it used to do. Yeah, well, probably by the next time we have a TV podcast, we might know a little bit more about Foxtel's yeah. plans. We might analyse that. We might even get someone in from Foxtel. Yeah. We'll talk it through and just, just see what they're up to. So I, I get a big feeling, or I get a feeling they've got a big refresh. Well, the, it the was getting too coming. confusing. Oh, Foxtel, yeah. and then they had Foxtel No, Foxtel Go, Foxtel Play. <laughs> what the hell? Foxtel No. It should just be Foxtel. Yes, yes. Something is so confusing. And, yeah, and there's so many different uh, levels and platforms and whoosh. Make it easy. Okay, time for our update on Southwest Roxy. Yes. Last time we checked in with you, it was pre-Easter. Yeah. You've you've just squirrelled yourself away up there for what four weeks, I think, yeah. probably. Yeah. Over the whole Easter period. Yeah. How did it go? Well, it was full on. I don't think I've ever worked so hard in all my life. One day off, and even on that day off, it was like we got to do this, we got to mm. do this. You know. Um, it's great. I still love it, but it's really, really full. Were there full houses? like you'd hoped over Easter? No, there's no... I still can't see any rhyme or reason or pattern to it. One day the crowds would turn up for Boss Baby and then the next day they wouldn't. Right. And then Lego Batman was disappointing, quite frankly. Yeah. Given the success of the first movie and given I thought there were Batman fans, I was like, oh, we've got to take this film at the... because this will be the big film. It wasn't. Boss Baby was the big film over the holidays. Was it? Then just when I thought Beauty and the Beast was dying in the arse, well, that's it. It's gone all of a sudden. (laughs) Boom! Back they came. The crowds really weird and the, the, the public holiday thing you've got to learn how to play that because on Easter Sunday nobody went to the movies because right. they were eating Easter eggs and doing other things anything to do with the weather yes the it was sunny up there yeah the weather does affect it but look even on a sunny day you can get a full did you have much rain we didn't have a lot of rain by my yeah yeah <laughs> it wasn't a wet Easter so that was <laughs> yeah but so now I'm out of Easter I've got a bit of a chance to breathe um, and now I'm playing that gamble game of Okay, I'll take Snatched with Goldie Horn and Amy Schumer and I'll play it three times oh, a day man. even though that's <laughs> a lot because I need a mother-daughter film to play over Mother's Day. Mm. You'd be mad not to do that. Sure. Um, but then you think, oh, three times a day in a little country town. I don't, yeah. So I've still got a lot of things to learn in terms of the terms and the percentage and learning how to make that system work for me because that 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 is not conducive to a single-screen cinema. No. You know, you no. can't tie up one cinema with one movie. If you've got two screens, you can still have the variety there. The terms work for multiplexes and, and yep. the twins and threeplexes. They don't work for single screens. They're really, it's really hard. Yeah, and how big is the Amy Schumer fan club up there, you wonder too, yeah? Well, I wonder, but I'm, I'm assuming the Goldie Horn fan club's oh, yeah, still yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. They've got to know one or the other, right? So what I have done over Easter, though, is I have I've radically altered the interior of the cinema so because it's a community town hall where you need to stack the chairs up and move them back for the community to do other things on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday um, I decided after Easter I didn't want 
those huckly grey plastic chairs anymore. So I've got those chairs on the side, my nice red plush seats there, and I've put some deck chairs down oh, really? in the front to create this sort of thing. And I mean, it looks amazing. And I've spaced it out. Why have all these seats when we're going into winter and we're not going to fill the joint? Why not have less seats and space it out and, and, and make it more inviting? And the deck chairs look great. So the next thing will be a few bean bags and to get some cushions for the grey plastic chairs on the side. And I want to make the inside of it more inviting and more comfortable because what I need to do as a business plan moving forward is I need to get those people who stopped coming to the cinema for whatever reason, mm. the chairs were uncomfortable, they didn't they like this, I need to get them back. Deck chairs for watching movie, okay? I don't yeah. think I've ever done that. That's, yeah. That's well, right. if you think about it, once upon a time, that it was really in every country and suburban picture theatre around. You had normal seats in the back half of the cinema and the front half was canvas Hessian seats. Mm. Just one big sort of Hessian seat you sat in and they were just giant-sized deck chairs. I think a lot of people probably used to take a deck chair to the drive-in too, didn't they? And back, if you had the ute, you'd back the ute in. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, there is actually something really lovely about being able to sit back because I, I can't put in proper new seating with footrests and all that stuff because I can't have permanent seating there. I've got to have seating that can be folded up and put to the sides. The deck chair is a really lovely, comfortable and for me, being by the beach at Southwest Rocks, it fits the environment and uh, look, a lot of the older people aren't going to sit in it. I get that because they're very hard to get out of. You can get into it mm. but, you know, you might have to go over there and pull some of them out. But, you know, some of the some of the regulars that come to the cinema, I've noticed they're going now straight for those seats. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, see, I want to get some of the young kids and some of the 20-somethings back into the cinema. So this is also about giving them an area and saying, hey, if you like watching movies at home on Netflix, come watch them on the big screen and you can sit in a beanbag or something like that. It's about trying to appeal to that market as well. Okay. Do you have someone from the distributors who sort of, I don't know, is your rep or looks after your account or do you yep. get sort of advice from them or stuff or I don't not get really, you just no, really... I'm not getting advice from them. You just go in, get what you want and... I've got I've got a person now at every film company that I deal with, yeah. and they'll say to me, "Do you want this film?" And I'll say, "What are the terms?" And then they'll tell me the terms, and I'll go, "No, nah, that's too much for me." And they're not negotiable, really. No, no they're, they're not. They're, they only become negotiable a few weeks after the movie's okay. been out of cinemas. Yeah. Um, and so now I'm now I'm going to really start looking into that um, because I need to be really clever about how I do this because you know when it if the film company's taking 50% of your box office but there's another film that's been around for a few weeks where they're only going to take 30% I need to play that market in town very carefully mm. I think with some of my older customers I don't think they're going to jump in the car and drive to Port Macquarie to see Churchill mm. I think they're, they're happy to wait a few weeks and I could get it on maybe better terms Okay. What happens, though, is that the kids, when they want to see The Fate of the Furious, they say, we're, drunk, we're going, going to drive to Port Macquarie. Mm. And I'm trying to say to them, you know what, guys, if you just wait a few weeks, I'll get it here, but you've got to wait a few weeks. And, of course, that's really hard to say that to young people. Can you wait? 
Yeah. When the movie's what's out that ultra, hot. What's the action genre like for you? Is it a bit problematic? Or? It's problematic because my core audience is older retirees yep. who are discerning and like, you know, denial and loving and hidden figures. They like good dramas. They don't want to watch Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. <laughs> but then I look at a film like The Fate of the Furious and I think, well, Dame Helen Mirren's in this one. Hmm. A few of you might want to, like, have some fun. I did. I have been trying some of those blockbusters a few weeks after the thing and it has been interesting putting on Kong Skull Island and seeing some of my regulars turn up and go oh I can't didn't think you'd be into a film like this oh no we like a bit of mm. you know popcorn movie every now and then so yeah, yeah it's all about finding out now I'm handing out a questionnaire to everybody and I'm getting some feedback there and see one of the things I asked them all was because there are only 32 red plush seats would you prefer to book these seats online so you know you get one and the feedback was no right first in first serve <laughs> in this town we come and we line too up hard, isn't having to go online and book it just they don't want just to do the that movies, they right? want to keep yep. it simple they want to be the first to arrive and get the good seats so you that. go okay i take that on board <laughs> save me some money i don't have to introduce a new online ticketing system yeah. you want to line up suits me fine i'm a bit old school it's just easier isn't it rocking up to the center and buying your ticket and yeah sort of yeah go online and <laughs> yeah get it and all this stuff well i remember being so furious one time when i actually booked something online had to pick the seat and all that and was running late and got to the cinema and went to the guy and he said oh you'll have to exchange that at the candy bar <laughs> i was like are you kidding me the whole reason i printed this off at my expense was so i could walk through here and go through at the cinema and you're going to send me over there and get another ticket get real so yeah Mikado, the angry consumer. Yeah. All right. Look, uh, it's great hearing about that. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, James. Um, continued success up there at uh, Southwest Rocks. Yes. At the Southwest Roxy. Yeah. If anyone's ever up in that uh, part of um, the New South Wales sort of mid north coast, between Port Macquarie right. and Coffs Harbour. Yep. Yep. Wonderful stuff. So get into that cinema. It's open yep. what Thursday through Thursday Sunday? through Sunday in the off season, but then yep. in school holidays and public holidays all That's the time. Non-stop. And I'm going to tell you what, you can tell when Sydney people are in town, don't they spend up big at that? Do they? Oh, yeah. Yeah, one of those, one of those. Yeah, you want the, yeah, yeah, one of those. <laughs> they do it all. Ice creams, popcorn, lollies, drinks, boom, boom, boom. Everyone gets one. Yep, fantastic. Now comes that credit card. Yes, thanks. We have FPOS. Ka-ching. Yep. Fantastic. <laughs> Good to hear. Andrew Mikado joins us uh, every fortnight on the Media Week TV podcast. You can also uh, read Andrew's highlights of the week's viewing every Friday at mediaweek.com.au. Don't forget all the other Media Week podcasts. You can find them on our website, mediaweek.com.au. Click on the podcast tab and away you go. You can also search for them on iTunes. Thanks, Andrew. We'll see you again soon. Thank you so much.